is it okay if you pre-chat and I drink some coffee or would you rather I, I drink coffee at the predetermined times? No, drink coffee, do whatever you like. It's fine. I think the sound of you slurping tea slash coffee is probably acceptable. I think I, I need to be less crazy about the whole thing. I listened to, um, I was listening to that other podcast, Staying In. The whole thing's about drinking tea. It's all, it's all tea themed. And I was thinking, oh, this is brilliant. I wish we'd thought of that. Like all of their interstitials are the sounds of making a pot of tea or making a cup of tea. It's great. Not the one with this. Are they slurping tea? Yeah, there's, slur- there's some that's slurping. Not, that's not great, that one. There's some slurping. And then there's ones where you can hear, you know, the sound of the tea going into the pot and it's steaming and it like running through the bag. It's very British. Very charming. Yeah. And the slang, bitch the pot, apparently, is slang for making a pot of tea. I'd never heard that before. They, neither had they, so. When I heard it, I heard, bitch, comma, the pot. <laughs> <laughs> bitch, <laughs> the pot. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very 21st century. It's these millennials. Other than that, it wasn't that funny. Sorry. No, it was all right. It's probably funnier than us. Or is it? No. They didn't have some sort of rage-induced breakdown. Exactly, they didn't have righteous fury. Righteous fury. I say righteous. <laughs> For you, it seemed righteous. righteous. Fuck you and your fucking timekeeping. Seeing as I've now managed to bring it up again, I want to say, you know, I wasn't angry so much about the situation. I was more angry about your reaction to... No, I, I can't articulate it. I can't make it sound like I was being reasonable, so... You know, it's like when they say... There's weirdos on the night bus, but when you get on the night bus and everyone seems quite reasonable, then maybe the weirdo is you. And it's like working in a bank. The financial services industry is full of functional sociopaths, but then everyone seems so nice. Maybe it's me. <laughs> you you seemed okay two years ago. Yeah, this... Oh, what can I say? What can I say? It's been a very troubled two years. I wonder what would happen if I'd met you for the first time today or this year instead of two years ago. I wonder if that would work out. <laughs> I want to know what people see when they meet you for the first time. I don't know what to say to that. It, well, from the sounds of it, it's working out quite well. Really? Yeah, you're you're making connections. You're getting phone numbers. <laughs> so you're doing something right. I don't know. I have no idea what you mean by that. People want to talk to you again after seeing you for the first time. <laughs> I still don't know what you were trying to insinuate, but okay. Uh, therefore, you must appear quite normal. <laughs> I thought you could appear quite normal because you know better. <laughs> so what, what have you been watching? What have I been watching? Is this your segue into Stranger Things? Yeah, it is. (laughs) Very ham-fisted, Ting. One out of ten. I mean, oh, Ting, that was so, that was so inspired. I really appreciate your contribution. Tell me what, what, what's a five out of ten then? If that, if that wasn't worthy, I don't know what it is. (laughs) What's a five out of ten? It it, it was actually not bad. I was just looking for opportunities to, to be mean. No, it was good. I realised with Stranger Things, I've got the same problem I do with Bioshock Infinite which is I don't remember now actually I binge watched the whole thing in like the space of a week and I don't really remember I actually had to watch the trailer again to remember what happens in the first episode but while you're watching it you're enjoying it yeah I really enjoyed it I really enjoyed it because everyone was talking about it so much everyone on the internet because your friends aren't as cool 
Well, you say that, but uh, everyone understands. I mentioned it to someone else. I was like, oh, yeah, and you've got to watch Stranger Things. I'm like, oh, yeah, I already watched it, the whole thing. I was like, oh, okay then. But you thought it was good, right? It was like, yeah, yeah, it was really good. It's like, oh, okay, cool. We're on the same wavelength then. Unlike Ting Ting. And there are others. There are others who've not watched it. I'm not the only one. Yeah, okay. I guess so. Well, of people who I've spoken to about it, though, I was like, I was going mad for it for like a week. I was just going, have you seen Stranger Things? You've got to watch Stranger Things. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, I really liked it. Because it also, I read on Reddit, there was this other crazy thing that happened. The Interface series where Nine Mother, Nine Horse, Nine Eyes, this weird Reddit account, just started posting on other random subreddits, this kind of meta story, like... On threads where the subject kind of tangentially made sense, he would post fragments of this story about some government project where people were just being given massive doses of LSD and it creating these flesh interfaces, which were portals to another dimension, like living portals to another dimension and weird stuff. And it's kind of the plot of Stranger Things, it turns out, but it predates Stranger Things, like the whole story the bulk of it was published before Stranger Things was released. And then they're going, was this all a viral marketing stunt for Stranger Things? Or was this some subwriter for Stranger Things putting all the things that they didn't make into the series into an internet story? I actually found out about it from BBC News, weirdly. Okay. Despite spending so much time on Reddit, I actually first heard about it from BBC News and then went back to the subreddit they made for it and then read all of the... But that was another crazy week where I stayed up till 3am reading these hundred entries from the interface back to back. But that was good. That was another, I think I just really liked this sort of thing. And I, I really liked Stranger Things. But you didn't. No, I watched the first episode. It's not for me. I'm not saying it's not good. What do you mean when you say it's not for you? I don't need tension in my life like that so i mean we're essentially no spoilers because you've only seen the first episode and we're going to talk about that i can't be doing with ongoing questions i need i need resolutions i think for me it was just hearkening back to my childhood it kind of you lived in indiana no just being annoying so things like things that i saw when i was young I may not have lived in Indiana, but I watched E.T., all these 80s movies. In the first episode, there's a very obvious E.T.-like scene, but it's sort of E.T. in reverse. E.T. has the classic scene where E.T.'s hiding in the shed and the door is open and the light shining through and he rolls a ball in and the, the ball rolls back. And in Stranger Things... Very near the start of the episode, there's a scene where he's running, there's something chasing him and you can't see it, and he runs into the shed instead. And the composition of the shot is very much like that scene in E.T. Stranger Things as a whole has very many homages and nods to classic 80s film and TV and popular culture. Yeah, I just really enjoyed it, I think, as a nostalgia trip. For me, it was like a better version of Super 8, which, again, you've not seen. But you said you wanted to see it. Yeah. But if you, didn't, if you did like Stranger Things, I'm not sure you'll enjoy Super 8. But I'm hoping in Super 8 I get the whole thing resolved in two hours. 
rather than eight for Stranger Things. Yeah. I'm really surprised you just didn't enjoy it, but I think we just, as has been hammered home by this podcast, we just don't enjoy the same things. I really enjoyed the whole mystery of what is the creature, what were they doing at that research institute, what escaped, what's going on with these portals and the lights and the the whole thing, all these things introduced in the first episode, I just was hooked. I was like, I want to know, I want to know. And then I just really enjoyed the setting for nostalgia reasons, but it was a great show regardless. And I think there isn't that much good sci-fi and I really enjoy sci-fi. So yeah, it really scratched an itch there for me. So two hours a night, four nights, done. Pretty much. Well, or sometimes three hours a night because it was like, oh, I really should go to bed. But I could just watch one more. And then trying to kind of half watch it, half not watch it. So watching it on my phone when I'm brushing my teeth, it's like, well, if I kind of multitask, it's all right. And then, you know, obviously still watching it in bed and thinking, I'm still staying up till 3am. So this still isn't really very practical. (laughs) During the week during the week you could watch on your surface yes i should have done i should have done but i didn't it's just like how we watched a bit of the apple keynote on your iphone instead of your surface i feel like we sometimes we're just not functioning as humans it's kind of like the phone is less effort because i'm holding it or like the phone makes it you watching it on the phone makes it less of a big deal but actually, it's just really impractical and I should spend two more minutes busting out a bigger device. Cell So you say there are no good sci-fi, so you don't care for... Did they try to bring back X-Files? They did try and bring back X-Files. I haven't watched it because it's not on any kind of service that I subscribe to. As if Stranger Things is on a service that you subscribe to, you can cut that out. <laughs> My sister has a Netflix account and she... Is like, yeah, you can use my Netflix account because we're separated by eight hours of time difference. So it's actually quite easy to share. I say that by then, I'm sorry. And she is also sharing my Spotify account. This is probably also against their terms of service, but whatever. (laughs) I've shared my Netflix with my sister as well. Any more for Stranger Stranger Things? Any more for Stranger Things? Uh, There's not really much more we can say without going into details of bits you haven't watched. You can ruin it for me, I don't care. I don't want to ruin it for everyone else. There you go. If you haven't watched Stranger Things, it gets two thumbs up, 10 out of 10 from Mike, and one out of 10, too stressful to watch from Ting. Is that right? Yeah, but that's not fair. It's <laughs> That's not fair on Stranger Things. I can't be doing with ongoing... It's like how 24 was spun out into 24 episodes. I just need it. Why can't it just be two? It's only eight episodes. It's not a huge... Watch it. Watch it on the plane to New York. I think I need all the answers quicker, harder and faster. I tell you what, watch 10 Cloverfield Lane on the plane to New York. Stranger Things kind of reminded me of 10 Cloverfield Lane, weirdly, even though there's very little to connect them. But they have the same intensity, which I think is exactly what you're not looking for. Oh, I got the impression 10 Cloverfield Lane was more intense. It was really intense. 10 Cloverfield Lane 
is one of the few times when I was eating my meal on the plane and I actually had to pause it while eating my meal because I just didn't think I could cope with eating and watching it at the same time. I just thought I'd like freak out and spill something or accidentally bite down hard on a fork. Like it was, it was that. I really liked it. It was kind of dumb, but I really liked it. It was kind of dumb. It was kind of dumb. Yeah. Oh. There are some things that really don't make sense if you think about them too hard, and other things that I just really like. Oh, uh, this is very much a character development arc, and I've just decided to do it because it gives you like a feel-good feeling about this character, but it makes no practical sense. But still, I enjoyed it. Is it what you expected? Oh no, are, are the characters' motivations what you expect? Obviously, then you're giving it away if you say. I、that. can say nothing about it other than I thought it was actually rather good. It was better than I was expecting. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. We have Sir Michael. Hello. And myself. Ting ting. That means I'm a panda this week. Tingus. Can Tingus be your your faithful manservant, if you like? Doesn't sound very proper, though. I think you just need a name with two syllables. That's the thing. I can't just say Ting. Well, I can just say Ting. Ain't no big thing. You need to、um, magic- <laughs> disappointing. You need to magic a syllable. I'm sure the Irish do that. <laughs> like film. Yes. Is that what you were thinking of? Yes. I work with so many Irish people now. It's very unexpected. I thought you were going to say terrifying for some reason. No. You should cut that out because that's very inappropriate. That's highly inappropriate. It's so inappropriate that I want to leave it in. I'm not gonna say anything else. It's just gonna make it worse. <laughs> It's like 30 years later now. We're allowed. We're allowed to make jokes out of it, aren't we? I'm not sure actually. It's a、um, we're a book club for games. Today we are book club for games. Hooray! And today it's Bioshock Infinite: Barrel at Sea Part One. Part One. So you're gonna tell everyone there's gonna be spoilers. There will be spoilers for Bioshock Infinite and Bioshock Infinite: Barrel at Sea Part One, and Bioshock, I guess, as well. Oh, super massive disclaimer then. Now that's out of the way. I had to buy this game, which is which I had is to not, buy this game too. That's a shocker. Yeah, it wasn't kicking around in my enormous list of games and DLC that I've just never played.、Did、I actually had to buy it. Did you check? I did. Of course, I checked. Well, it's on Steam, so I just looked on Steam to see if I owned the DLC, and I didn't. You didn't check on Humble just to make sure. Yeah, Humble didn't have any keys for it. I've actually claimed all my Humble keys now. It took me. Do you remember the, a few podcast episodes ago? I was going. I just can't remember what I did on that weekend. I just can't account for how I lost the whole weekend. I actually spent several hours claiming all of my Humble keys, and that's why my Steam account now shows as nine hundred and ninety-six games owned. Oh, four away! I say that actually. When I say I claimed all my humble keys, I just bought the humble Sierra bundle yesterday and haven't claimed the keys yet. So, the next time we speak, it will be four figures. Wow! How sad is that? No, that's great. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I was talking to another friend of ours, and he was going, "Oh, I've got so many Steam games. I've got over three hundred." And I always said to him, "Guess how many I have?" And then I told him, and he said. You've got a problem. 
wonder if you're playing them all. I'm not. You have a problem. Yes. So anyway. But not, no. <laughs> in there you have too many games. Not, no any, no mental problem or psychological. Th- thanks for reassuring me. I've made it sound worse. So I bought the game, as did you, for £15.99. When I saw that price, I switched to the Hong Kong store to see if it was cheaper. Yeah, but it's not. No. It's actually quite expensive, considering all this time. Still basically full price. I was shocked and disturbed. I was bio-shocked and disturbed. You seem unimpressed by my pun. (laughs) I don't know how to react to a good pun, though, really. Well, it wasn't a good pun, so... This doesn't help you at all. <laughs> we can move on. I don't think there's anything else to say. Did you try the other DLC that was in... Clash include? in the Clouds? <laughs> yeah. No, I did not. I have no idea what that is. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. I did fortunately have Bioshock Infinite still installed, it turns out, because I installed it on the hard drive I had salvaged from my old machine. And because I just added that as a new Steam folder it just magically installed all the games i used to have which is really handy actually what capacity is your drive uh i have a one terabyte ssd and a two terabyte hard disk fancy fancy well it used to only be a two terabyte hard disk and then i bought the terabyte ssd when i got a new computer and i just took the hard drive out the old one how much is a terabyte ssd it's actually not that much these days if you earn a lot of money Sorry. The the worst thing is actually at the time I bought it, it was a lot of money. It was four thousand Hong Kong dollars, which is like four hundred quid. So that was a lot to spend on an SSD. But you could put that in your PlayStation, and it would just make sense. Why? Why would I do that? Why would I do that? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spend more than a PlayStation to put in my PlayStation. Well, now you could. It doesn't cost that much. I think a one terabyte SSD is surprisingly cheap now. I don't know how much. We should probably check. We can do it afterwards. Okay. What do you want to talk about? I mean, just to start from... Oh, I don't I didn't even have to say this. I didn't think it was very good. Why? <laughs> Hard to say. Just... What's your default position on this sort of thing? Are things good and then they disappoint you? Or are things just bad and they have to impress you? It didn't impress me. Things, I think, start out being bad by default for me. I think start out as good for me. But you didn't think it was that good either? No. <laughs> so it has to go from good to bad. And what made it go from good to bad for you? The gameplay loop. It just got very repetitive and not very exciting. It plays like Infinite rather than like Bioshock, which should not be a surprise because it's based on Infinite. I remember saying I quite enjoyed Infinite's gameplay. That's the thing. I think it's made me realise as well. I don't remember Infinite very well. There were a lot of things in there that I had forgotten. Infinite wasn't so much a corridor shooter, whereas in Bioshock it it has to be. Mm. Or an indoor shooter, if you will. I think... I said to you, I thought that it was lazy, which is a weird thing to say, but that's how I felt. The very start of the game drops you in with zero explanation. You suddenly are Booker DeWitt. Elizabeth shows up and gives you a case, and you just take the case with no hesitation. Mostly because it's a computer game and you've just got to do what it says. 
its rapture before the fall, which is actually quite interesting to hear all the people talking and fleshing out the setting a bit more. And some of it was really quite striking, like Sander Cohen's club, and there's all the people dancing or making weird shapes with their bodies on top of those pedestals in the big projection. I mean, that was quite interesting. The the pre-fall rapture. Yep, and then the waiter, he's... I can't remember what the, the ability is. Oh, he's teleporting. He's a, he's a Houdini splicer. Yes. And he's teleporting between each of the tables, offering them drinks and giving them a... Yeah. And even at the very beginning, when Elizabeth comes up to you and asks you to light her cigarette, and you light it by snapping your fingers and putting your thumb on fire which is quite cute because that's how they advertise the um i can't remember what it's called the fire plasmid in bioshark isn't it yep yeah the scene setting i thought was quite good but it, it very rapidly goes downhill i felt which is actually what happens in infinite the scene setting is i thought was pretty spectacular in infinite but then there you have that malaise in the middle of the game and actually that's what happens in the DLC. Yeah, all compressed into a very short time period. It's actually only three-ish hours long, I think. So you very rapidly end up in this dilapidated department store, and then you're back to the old rapture that's falling apart and leaking. And yet, yeah, I think I said what well, lazy is how I described it. Yeah. Because for all the effort they put in, particularly in the scene setting at the start, it's weird how they just have sky rails in Rapture, which were never there before. And the Vigors, basically, they, they just make up some plot reason why now you have drinkable plasmids. And I just don't understand why they did that. Like, I genuinely don't understand because they spent the time to think up a reason why they had drinkable plasmids and recorded audio dialogues for why you had drinkable plasmids. Why did they not just make an animation of you injecting the plasmid i think that would have made it much stronger from a scene setting standpoint i mean it would just seem really odd to me to do it that way and then did you remember the tears from infinite no i had completely forgotten that they existed as a gameplay mechanic and there was the gear as well from infinite i just they brought them back yeah it's it's i mean i think it probably makes perfect sense if you went straight from playing infinite into this DLC, but because we went straight from Bioshock into this DLC, yeah, it was quite confusing seeing the tears and like, wait, what do I do with this again? I forgot that you had to hold down the button to to instruct Elizabeth to open it. And the gear, I was confused. The first time I found out a piece of gear, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot you could swap out your clothes. It made me realise how forgettable those two elements were. I mean, the core gameplay, I guess you could say, of the run and gun and plasmid shootiness that kind of was the same i guess i felt like you had very little health like i seemed to be on the verge of death quite often well to begin with for the first few encounters when you've got very little ammo and i couldn't really remember how to use the plasmids properly i found it surprisingly hard for the first couple of encounters well until i got the gear that gave you the extended melee attack I actually quite enjoyed it after that, but I felt I felt like I was playing it wrong, if that makes any sense. Like, I felt that the game was not balanced for this, but it was really easy. 
I just remember there wasn't much ammo to begin with, but that changes very quickly. It sounds like you just like to melee stuff, even when you don't have some melee buff. Well, <laughs> no, there was a piece of gear that gave you a melee buff. Yeah, but you were dying early on because... Well, because I had two bullets, and after I've used up the two bullets, then all I've got is the melee. No, at some point, Elizabeth will hand you ammo. I don't think she ever did for some reason. She'll say, yo, you're low on health. Give me, let me give you some health. Oh, Yeah, no. she, she threw me some Eve. Well, is it Eve or is it Salts now? I, I, it was very confusing because it should be Eve, but it's not an Eve hypo. It's like a drinkable... This is what I mean. I felt like they were a bit lazy with it. But she threw me some Eve and that was it. I, she never threw me anything else, which surprised me, actually. Oh, and the lock picking. The lockpicks? Did yes. you encounter this too? That, again, that was a surprise. I, I completely forgotten that as a mechanic too. Yes, I didn't even... Just, only just now did I realise it was a mechanic. You find hidden lockpicks and you she can open up side areas that have more audio recordings in usually. I definitely didn't remember that. And I told you this game was checkpointed, so you couldn't manual save. Yeah, that, again, <laughs> that was a confusing and surprising... That worked for me. It's better when I don't have to save after every action i weirdly played more carefully because of it i yoloed more which was complete opposite for me i, I played too carefully anyway when i yoloed it i got away with it most of the time yeah because i just didn't want to die so i was just being a bit more careful although i say i was being a bit more careful i was playing basically as a melee character i got the gear that gives you triple melee range and bonus melee damage at the cost of 20 percent of your shield per hit it meant you killed most things in one or two hits. And it was actually surprisingly really fun. I don't think I used the Sky Rails that much in Infinite itself. At least I don't remember using it. I probably did use it, given the way my memory's going. But in this, I would open every fight by jumping down from the Sky Rail and taking out one of them. And then just hitting the melee key again. And you'd sort of zip to the next one and take them out because I had triple melee range. It was actually really fun. It's kind of like Batman. Yeah, yeah, it was like it was like the free flow combat in Batman. Okay, my combat wasn't so slick. I had to jump down. I think it's one shot with the whatever takedown is. Then I had to scurry back up to the sky rail and then do the same thing again five times, and then I'd clear the room. You do what you need to do. I don't remember if Infinite itself had this issue, but it had the same issue of Bioshock where you've cleared out an area. You go into a side area, and when you come out, it's respawned a load of new enemies. Kind of like I was saying with the pseudo-infinite enemies in Bioshock. And I felt like it felt kind of cheap, because there was no way those enemies could have got there. Okay. You never encountered this? But you didn't really do much of the lockpicking or side areas, it sounds like. No. I know they respawned, but do I agree with your statement that there's no way that they could have respawned there? They could have respawned there. I say respawned, I mean, they could have entered and populated that area legitimately. Maybe I'm, be, maybe I'm just trying to be too fair. Well, it depends on what you think about where did they come from in the setting of the game. I don't know. I didn't feel like it felt terribly natural. There definitely was one very good moment, though, due to this, where I walked into a clothing store I cleared out the area, I walked into some like shoe store or something, cleared that out, and when I came back out, I noticed there was one of those out-of-phase, red-blue-yellow 
vials that buffs your eve or health or shield and i was like huh that wasn't there before i'll go and pick it up and i went over and picked it up and around it were three mannequins and then one of the mannequins just started moving and tried to smack me in the face and i was like oh my gosh (laughs) that was good that was good that genuinely surprised me after it happened i was like i really should have seen this coming but i didn't see it coming (laughs) yeah same thing happened to me that was the best time that the respawning enemies genuinely surprised me and were fun but i guess they can only really do that once i think there was a moment when you boost elizabeth over to into a vent or over a gate so she has to pick it from the other side and you have to hold off enemies and they obviously they're respawning just to add some tension yeah i thought that was kind of lame i didn't really enjoy that bit Mm, but it's better than them just respawning quietly i guess yeah, I guess. At least they've tried to give you something. It's a very lame or poor reason. It's a reason. Imagine how much shorter this game would be if they didn't respawn the enemies, though. Yeah, because it really is very short. It it starts out very strong and then it ends in just a very... It's just very... They took the easy way out. They took the easy way out. And it's like they made they made the easiest decisions they could. Like I was saying with the... Why not do the animation for injecting yourself why just suddenly have the drinkable plasmids and bucking bronco weirdly which is from columbia not rapture i mean these are just things from infinite and they've got the flimsiest of storyline reasons why they're in there the the things that made bioshock good mostly i felt were the stories rather than the gameplay and then just just shoehorning these mechanics from infinite into rapture at the expense of the story, I thought was a bit of a shame. What brought you to Rapture? I suppose you could say I work in debt collection. Well, you got a name, miss? You can call me Elizabeth. Tell the story. Hmm. You pay more attention to these things, so you should start. I guess... And they do have the get-out-of-jail-free card of you've got infinite universes, you can do whatever you like. So I suppose you could argue my thinking this doesn't really match up with Rapture before, with the Vigors and the drinkable plasmids or whatever. It's just because this is a different Rapture. So they do always have that get-out-of-jail-free card, which I think is kind of cheap. But there is that. It's valid. I mean, this clearly isn't the same same rapture i guess you could argue because elizabeth's shown up into it and it turns out comstock and definitely a different comstock from the one that we played against in infinite the plot has definitely got very well the ending of infinite is itself very confusing i think you know a bit more about the plot than me because you played part two which it seems explains things a bit more no, it doesn't. Okay. No, it doesn't. Because it could be another set reality altogether. So my interpretation of the plot then, based on the events of Burial at Sea Part 1 only, I did just mention earlier, it drops you straight in. You're playing as Booker, or who you assume to be Booker. Elizabeth shows up and gives you this mission, and you just follow her. And then... The reveal at the very end is that it's a vengeance story. Elizabeth has 
elaborately set this up to make you remember all the things you did wrong because you are actually Comstock and this particular version of Comstock tried to kidnap Anna as he usually does I guess that's one of the things that makes him Comstock rather than I mean this whole thing's very confusing about what makes a person because Booker and Comstock are obviously the same person genetically but they made different choices and the things that make one of them Comstock rather than Booker are that he found religion and he tries to kidnap Anna from the timelines where he was Booker and had a child. So this particular Comstock tries and fails to kidnap Anna and instead of just losing her finger, she loses her head, which is quite shocking actually. I was very surprised that they included that in the game. They don't actually show it, but they show the tear closing around her neck and then it cuts out, which was, yeah, I was quite surprised. They're brutal baby decapitation and Anna now being this or Elizabeth even now being this avatar of every possible Elizabeth remembers everything that happened to every version of her is what she says and that in itself is confusing so at the end of Bioshock Infinite there are several Elizabeths or do they all collapse into only one who becomes all of them Not clear, I guess. No. But this particular one says, I remember everything that happened to every version of me. And she remembers being decapitated as a baby, clearly, and has sought vengeance against every Comstock. So she makes you remember that you are protecting this orphan girl, Sally, out of some sense of guilt. So you're treating Sally as your surrogate daughter, effectively. And you remember what you did at the very end. It's, there's the reveal that you're not Booker, you're Comstock. And then while you're trying to pull Sally out of the the vent, uh, Big Daddy comes and kills you in the same style as the original Bioshock trailer. Do you remember that? Yeah. So you get a drill through the chest from behind, which is quite surprising too, because you fight a big daddy off and you kill it. And then another one shows up. I don't know. What do you think? You've said it so concisely. Okay, so my interpretation was that why this, she's going through every possibility and killing off every Comstock. But you didn't say, you didn't, you didn't think that was necessarily the case. I don't know. I think it's not clear. I mean, that's certainly a possible interpretation. Uh, we haven't seen anything that contradicts that. Because she can travel through time and space and reality and possibility, can't she? So I suppose she could be going through and killing every single one. And did we establish why Fontaine was there? Well, first off, Fontaine is not there in Burial at Sea Part 1. He shows up at the very beginning of Part 2. Atlas, then. Do I mean Atlas, then? But they're the same person. Well, you don't... No. Well, you do know that if you play Bioshock, which we have. And it does actually show you that at the start of Burial at Sea Part 2, there's a, do you want a recap of what happened in Bioshock? So you do know that. But in Burial at Sea Part 1, all you know is that there's a hostile takeover, essentially, of Fontaine Futuristics by Ryan Industries that is spun out to be Fontaine Futuristics are a bunch of crooks. And Ryan Industries is doing this for the good of Rapture. 
And then the subtext really is that Ryan Industries is the old ways and Fontaine is doubled down on splicing and genetic manipulation, which is the new, you know, they are more profitable than Ryan Industries. And Ryan decides to, to use his power to, you know, screw the free market. Free market means I am the law. And they get rid of Fontaine's guys by sinking Fontaine's the department store with them all in it. So that's that's the setting, and that's why I guess Fontaine's guys are all in there. But Fontaine himself, well, or Atlas himself, doesn't show up until part two, at the very beginning of part two, I think. Okay. <laughs> You're just going to accept that? Isn't there a bit at the beginning where you're having a gun pointed to your head and Atlas says that's Burial at Sea part 2 that's part 2 really? yeah part 1 oh, li- yeah. yeah that's right your memory's broken old man that's all I had to say about the story that's all you had to say about the whole Atlas reveal that's part 2 no um, I just said the payoff was at the end I, I didn't have anything else I didn't you said all of it <laughs> Really? Yeah. Really? You've nothing to say? No. Because you're right. They they get away with so much because they just say it's another inter- another universe. Well, that would be the cheap way out. They don't actually say that, but I guess it's kind of like whenever you're watching a TV show and they say, oh, a wizard did it. Is that Did The Simpsons coin that? Was it a thing before The Simpsons? I don't know. I don't know. There's definitely a thing where Lucy Lawless... Xena warrior princess and they they meet her and she's like in episode two of season three when this happens like oh a wizard did it whenever you see something that doesn't make sense a wizard did it and this is like whenever you see something that doesn't make sense it's an alternate universe just chillax man it's an alternate universe your logic is invalid did you see it coming i mean that twist the book of comstock thing yeah I kind of already knew because I'd actually watched some outside Xbox video where they talk about times where you were the bad guy all along. So I'd actually seen that. So unfortunately, it had been spoiled for me already. So you you also expected it then? Well, I was kind of confused because I knew it was going to happen. But I think it did come out of left field. I, there was nothing in the game. Well, actually, no, there were those flashbacks. There were those flashbacks where you're looking at the basin of water. And I guess that should have been a big hint because that's when you drown Comstock, don't you, in Infinite. So I guess that should have been a hint. I was actually expecting a version of the universe where you are being drowned, but you managed to fight off Booker instead and survive. That's a new one, yeah. But that's not what happens. That's not what happens. They're showing you shaving your face in the basin. And then you just assume you as Comstock just start calling yourself Booker DeWitt again. I thought something was off because, I don't know, how did you evaluate Elizabeth at the beginning? Because you know something is off. Yeah, you can definitely tell something is off. And she says, oh, I'm here to collect a debt. But, yeah, it's not very clear. I mean, she does have this vague hostility towards you. but And it's hard to tell how much of it is just because she's playing this cold detective story dame type character i you know how much of it is hamming up for the atmosphere rather than so i did i did think the reveal did come quite out of left field i don't think it was as strong a reveal as in the other games 
But then I guess this is DLC and it's only three hours long. So I thought there was incredible payoff at the end. Oh, because you hadn't had it spoiled for you? No. Right. And it made sense why she was so cold to me now. Because I don't know what to expect from Barrel at Sea 2 still. I don't know how it's going to end. I'm expecting a twist. You see, again, I've had it spoiled for me, so oh, I actually know. But I'm not going to say anything, obviously. Yes, yeah, so I don't know what to expect. The reason I said after we finished Bioshock, oh, I'd quite like to play the Infinite DLC, is because I'd had it spoiled for me. So I know how it ends. One and two. One and two. I knew how, both how one and two ended, but I was like, I don't see how this is going to fit together. So... Can you see it now? Not really. I didn't think one ended particularly cleanly either. It was very like, bam, out of left field, you're Comstock. I don't think it was like a subtle realisation of dropping hints and you should have been able to see, oh, I should have seen that coming. Instead, it was like, wait a minute, why are the Lutest twins here? Why did I chop a baby's head off? What do you mean my hair's grey and I'm Comstock? You can see a tattoo on your hand as well. I don't know if you noticed that. Sometimes when you change weapon or certain cutscenes and you can see your right hand and you've got something tattooed on your right hand and... I was trying to remember if that was a hint, because I... Is it that Comstock has AD tattooed on his right hand, and Booker doesn't? Or does Booker have that too? Booker has AD, because that's how they re- recognise he's the he's the one in Infinite. I don't remember this from Infinite. I, I remember there was something about the tattoo, but I couldn't remember which way around it was. So I did notice that you had something tattooed on your right hand, and I knew it was significant, but I couldn't remember why. So it's Booker, because that's how they identified the second coming. You know, the guy who's going to bring down Comstock's... Comstock. Interesting. Yeah. So if anything, that's a hint in the other direction then. It's a red herring. No, but maybe Comstock has something. Maybe it was on his other hand. Maybe something... I don't know, but what the hell... How does that make sense? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I feel like that's a red herring then. It's a, it's a misleading hint then, the tattoo. If anything, it reinforces that you're Booker. But maybe it tattoos is of something else. Well, it says AD. You, oh. Because you can see it. You that's can... the one you have as Booker. Yeah. So overall, now we've spoken about this at length, and we both seem to think it's not very good. <laughs> but the story is quite interesting. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting, but I wouldn't say it was great. By gaming standards, it's still quite good. Not great, but good. Almost great. The thing is, you're familiar with these concepts because you read... I like this sort of thing. And you are you have high expectations of it. It's like um, how you think Interstellar is all a bit... Mm, whereas for the layman, it's like Interstellar is like blowing our minds. I did like that you were playing the bad guy without realising it all along. And I guess that's the same kind of switcheroo as... Bioshock Infinite itself so it is thematically consistent and it's not just that oh you're the bad guy but you're a different version of it's like you're the bad guy you're really the bad guy it was alright it makes me wonder what's going to happen in the second one yeah well we'll have to see I mean so that's what so the next book club game is continuing this we're going to play Burial at Sea Part 2 yeah again it's really not very long so we're going to just finish Burial at Sea Part 2 that's yes, we are and you, we're going to have what? Because you're going to be away. Yes. So you've got a while. Well, I say you've got a while. By the time I release this episode, who knows? So the next book club game is 
Mario Let's See Part 2. I feel like we shouldn't really say anything about it, even though we've both played a little bit of it, but let's leave it all for next time. So we were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcast client you use. And you can find us on Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. And on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club. And that is it. I feel like we need some bye-bye wrapping up spiel, but I don't know. Like a post-chat? Like a post-chat? No, I don't know. It's fine. I'm very disappointed in all of you. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.